0: should I begin? So yeah, I'm an Arizona native, grew up in Phoenix. And so once college was coming around, I knew that I didn't want to stay in state just because like all of my friends were, that's not true. A lot of my friends were going out of state, uh, but the majority of folks were either going to go to Arizona State University or University of Arizona, which are great schools, fine schools, but they were one, too close to home and two, just too big for me. So I looked at a bunch of small, arts schools around the country, I eventually landed in Indiana at a small school called DePauw, 2,400 people, just smaller than my high school, but it's exactly what I wanted. So my biggest, I always tell people my biggest class, 30 students. My smallest class was four students my senior year of college. Um, And so that was kind of the the size that I wanted. And so I was an English major there with an emphasis in creative writing. So I thought I wanted to like move to New York and become a writer. And my parents were like, well, we're not paying for that. So I had to get real. Uh, So I moved back to Phoenix after college and started as an editor for a publishing firm, actually. And it was there where um, I loved the work, but it was super mundane. And it was also just not as fulfilling. There was no passion behind it. There was no purpose. It was just kind of a job. So I made the intentional decision to kind of look at jobs in the nonprofit and social impact space. And so I then joined the staff of a foundation called the Rodell Foundation, which does initiatives, education initiatives in low-income schools, both from a programmatic standpoint and a political or rather public policy standpoint. So I got to do their communications and PR um, and a little bit of the program management. And then I hopped on over to a major nonprofit doing their major gifts fundraising. So I had zero fundraising experience, but someone took a chance on me. So I raised about $1.5 to $2. dollars a year with them, major campaigns, and did a lot of work with our point of self campaign. So we had a big one with a large grocer, Safeway here. And so I would develop the, the the strategy behind that, figure out the marketing and collateral, figure out like revenue goals and things. So It was something that was really cool to kind of learn at a really young age. So I did that for a couple of years. And then I hopped on over to Social Venture Partners, which helped coach philanthropists to be more strategic with their giving, and then coach social entrepreneurs and nonprofits on how to build capacity. So working with them on how to build a board, how to make an effective management team, how to fundraise, how to think through just different strategies. So I did that for, oh my gosh, four years. And then in April of 2017, I resigned from my post. I was just kind of burnt out and thought I was going to spend the summer just kind of like hanging out. And then Jen X found me, and I put my name in the hat for the most extensive interview process. And then I got hired as the Arizona director in August of 2017. Uh, So I've been on staff for about a year and a half. So I oversee our Arizona chapter fully. I oversaw our Dallas expansion, and then now I'm overseeing our San Francisco expansion. That's me.
1: That was a lot, and I love it. Uh, So a couple quick questions. How old are you?
0: I am 33.
1: 33. So young buck. All right. So what uh, with Gen Next, can you tell us, I mean, obviously I worked for Gen X over the summer, but a lot of these other guys aren't familiar with the projects as well as the program. Give us a little rundown of what that's all about.
0: Yeah. So Gen X at the end of the day is a network for accomplished leaders who are galvanized around uh, future focused ideas. So our work is in education, economic mobility, and global security. So really we're together to create like an ecosystem for generational change. And so that looks like curated content, facilitated discussions, really unique experiences, having speakers like Farah Pandith, who's one of our members who, as I said before, uh, is on a speaking tour. So we have her uh, come in. Jared Cohen, who's one of our members, the CEO of Google Jigsaw, and other folks who are leading uh, experts in things like AI, global security, economic policy, and really curating an experience for our members so that they can kind of Be engaged, they can be educated, they can learn, and ultimately they can be deployed in their communities, both locally and nationwide. And so we also have a foundation that me and my counterparts raise money for that supports ventures directly. And then we also have a PAC, a political action committee. So we support candidates nationwide based on how they align with our key initiatives and key ideas.
1: Heck yeah, I love that. Interesting story. I had the concept for Dream Chasers two years ago, and uh, Gen X was actually a fly of the moment kind of thing. I literally, about three weeks before I came out, I was like, oh, let's do this. And so I went out there knowing nothing about it because y'all's website doesn't really provide that much. It's,
0: yeah, it's kind of, uh, yes, it's very, it's like very secret society-esque.
1: For sure. And so I drove cross country to something I knew nothing about. And when I got there, I'm like, this is totally up my alley. And so a little bit about Dream Chasers, you know, we've uh, built this foundation ever since last summer. We've been doing a lot of expansion and growth. You're actually our fourth guest speaker. We're booked for the next couple months actually. I'm trying to get Michael uh, to come out and talk to the guys in maybe June or July, which would be a great opportunity. One reason I you know you came to mind is because, you know, going on those calls on Mondays and getting to learn about the team, but your specific role in the organization and your previous roles You know, encompasses venture philanthropy as well as recruitment, sharing your vision, but most importantly, sharing the vision of an organization that involves, you know, participation from the members as well as financial investment. So, with that being said, you know, obviously there's some conflicts with recruitment for any type of organization, but specifically an organization like this, that there's not only a participation aspect, but a financial aspect. What are some ways that you go about that when explaining to clients or potential members? But specifically when those roadblocks come your way, they're like really skeptical about it. Like, who are you? Why should I do this? And what do you do to kind of overcome that obstacle?
0: Yeah, that's a good question. I think it's just being like a really genuine and authentic leader. Also, I think everyone on our team at Genex has a really interesting background. So you could have you could have profiled anyone. Like Tiffany, who runs our New York chapter, she's former CIA. One of our my team members ran like huge political campaigns across the country. So it's all people who are like crazy smart, crazy accomplished, but then came to Genex to do this work. So it's one having credibility. So when you're in front of a CEO. Owner, entrepreneur—they're like, all right, this this person's legit—and then we're able to articulate the goals, uh, the mission, the vision, the 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 values, and the model of Gen Next. And so many times, it's we just have a specific profile of someone that we want to recruit to the organization. So it's not as hard as it um, it's not as hard as you think it might be. But like today, before this, I had a a meeting with potential potential member, a recruit, and. Like we were just like not gelling. Like there was something that just was like there was a disconnect. Uh, So I need to follow up. So that happens sometimes, but for the most part, it's I think it's a pretty easy sell. Like if you care about the a better future for the next generation, this is the best way to deploy your time, talent, and dollars. Most people can really get on that that train. And also, our model is built for busy professionals. So if you're the CEO of a small or mid mid level company, you don't have time to do anything. And so we really curate experience where you know that we're intentional about our time together. And therefore your, your value is that you get a really high level content, a high level networking, um, in a really condensed space. And so like the 12,500, which is how much it is to be a member, it's kind of a no brainer to people. And so that's all to say, I think it's just, again, having those genuine relationships. And I think where I've been successful is, you know, I put in front of people. And so it's just listening for most of the time, seeing what they want, uh, seeing what, Kind of their goals are, and then aligning, if you can, what those goals are to how Genex can be part of their success in that. So
1: another quick question, kind of the follow up to that: How do you keep track of all this? I mean, obviously you're you have a lot of things going on. You're worried about expansion. You're worried about Arizona. You have 20 plus members to worry about. And you're worried about recruitment and scheduling meetings. Like, what's your daily routine look like? I noticed uh, earlier on Instagram you're at the gym. So obviously you have some good habits. But how those form, and did you always have them?
0: Yeah, it's interesting. So I was an IB kid. So I went to an international baccalaureate high school, which is like super rigorous. So from 13 on, I've just always had like a ton of schoolwork, a ton of extracurriculars, and I just kind of done it. And so my brain is just kind of wired that way. But in this role, you're right, there's, it's different every day, you can have a day where you're in eight back to back meetings, there are times where I have coffee, a breakfast, two lunches, a dinner, a happy hour, and then late night drinks with folks. And so... In those days, like you have, you have not looked at your email all day. You have done nothing but meet with folks. And so you just have to block off time. And unfortunately, this is a role where it's, you're on all the time. So it's a lot of my Sundays are just spent catching up. And so it's, I would say it's a work in progress for me to kind of learn that balance, but it's also a great role in that it's so flexible that I can also just like go to the gym whenever I want or go see a movie whenever I want. So it's just kind of figuring out, I think, above all, what's the priority? of the day, what's the priority of, like, what are your goals for uh, the upcoming quarter or whatever that might be, and then backing up and seeing, like, what's going to be the best use of your time and, like, the most high output use of your time.
1: The one thing you mentioned is the flexibility. Obviously, that's something that you've been given with Gen Next, uh, but with the other organizations, for instance, social venture partners, as, you know, the, some of the others you previously mentioned, has that always been there? And if that wasn't there, do you feel that you're more comfortable with that flexibility or something that, you know, really depends on the nature of the East?
0: You know, one of the things that um, I challenge all of you guys to think about is like, what do you value um, or what are your values as it relates to your profession? So for me, I know the number one thing is flexibility um, and autonomy. So I don't think there's an, I mean, I wouldn't say there's not any amount of money, but for me, it is being able to do whatever, my days are my days. And so doing whatever I want during the day is really, really important to me. And so all of my roles have been based in the idea that like I've always been externally facing or business development role. So i rarely, have I ever been in an office setting, right? Like I'm not there nine to five. And I really like that. Um, I like having the flexibility of like just doing whatever I want during the day. But that does come with like, there's not, my days aren't structured. And so if you need a lot of structure, this would not be a role for you. If you need a lot of direction, this isn't a role for you. But I like, I thrive in autonomy and flexibility. And that's actually something I demand as, as I, as I go from job to job, it's like the number one thing is I will not be checking in all the time. I do not work nine to five. I, I, I get to my stuff and I get it done and that's all you need to know. And I, I hit my goals and results. And for the most part, every employer has been like, okay, cool. And it worked. It just works out. And I think more and more employers are getting in that way because the, I think your generation especially is demanding that that be a thing.
1: Do you have a crew out in Arizona right now or is it just kind of solo-dolo you as the moment?
0: It is just me. So like for instance, tomorrow I have meetings and then we have a, a program tomorrow night. And that's just me working with the, the venue, getting everything set up. And so it's an interesting role in that you have like your event coordinator and then you also have to be able to like interview and be in front of an audience while you're talking to like a global security expert. So it's my day tomorrow is not only coordinating all that, but it's also writing speaking points and interview questions for Farah to get the most out of her. These roles are really jack of all trades, which I really like, but yeah, it's just, it's just me in Phoenix.
1: Heck yeah. So we actually, uh, Dylan wants to one day go into politics. Pat is in the military, a leader in the military. What advice do you have? I mean, have you always been an extrovert or is this something that you really had to develop when it comes to being in front of people like CEOs of Jigsaw, Google and other high clients? Um, but a lot of people get intimidated by others of power or wealth uh, because they look at them as like, oh, these people are greater than I. You really had any conflict with that or is it something that you just kind of naturally born with?
0: You know, it's interesting. I can go back to, like, when I was a kiddo. I was a, I was a chubby kid, so I just kind of had to always be funny, right? Like, uh, that was kind of my coping mechanism. Um, and so I've always just kind of been out there. And then I went to a high school that was really interesting because it was super diverse in that you had super, super affluent families and then super just, like, low, lower middle class families. And so it was a... It was a quick lesson in like how to navigate those spaces. And I obviously went to a school that was probably one of the wealthier schools in the country. So I got to really interact with folks like the Pence kids went there. A lot of like the Midwest elites families were there. So that's just kind of where I, um, I was able to learn that. But then I think actually, and you guys touched on this a little being Greek. So I joined a fraternity my freshman year. I was at DU, Delta Upsilon, and that helped a ton. Like going through rush and then being on the other side of like rushing people was probably like where I got the skill set to be good at like fundraising development, doing this work. I I gave a talk maybe a year ago about this, about like how being Greek actually helped a ton of my social skills. Obviously, you know, you were given kind of like your life resume leading up to where you are right now at Gen
1: X. And I, I see correlation between what you did previously at each individual job. Now you're doing it all now. So I guess my question is, is, you know, as us, as young leaders and people that are about to graduate, some further in the career than others, comes their academics and pursuing something further. What is some advice you have? Because as you mentioned, like our generation, really, we want things now. (laughs) So it's really sometimes hard to see 10 years down the road or like put in 10 years of work and you'll get it now. Like we want that flexibility. We want that power. We want the ability to set our own values in our own life at our own terms. So what is some advice you have for kind of foreseeing Sometimes it's a marathon and not just a sprint.
0: I think you did a great job yeah. of articulating that. I think I think this generation or your generation, I like that. It's refreshing to see that you know what you want and you're demanding it. But I also do think there's something to be said about just taking the time to be patient and learn. One of the things I would tell you all is to find a professional mentor um, to really help guide you in that. And so find someone that you look up to or that you feel like is successful and just have them kind of be a gut check on anything that you do professionally. That's helped me a lot. Um, but also be intentional about, like, think about what you want to learn. I am a big fan of, skip, like, moving from position to position uh, every three years unless I'm learning something else. So and if I'm maxed out and not being challenged, then there's no reason for me to be in that organization anymore. And I was really thoughtful and really, um, really intentional, maybe probably around 23 of being like, these are the th- things I want to learn. So I'm going to align it with organizations that, I, that will teach me that. So just think about what those things are, make a list and then kind of think through what would be the jobs or roles that would help get you there. But I do think patience is really, really important. So I think, I think if people are, in general, not just, you, not just this generation in general, you can do more by humbling yourself. You can do more by just asking questions. You can do more and get further by just saying, all right, I'm not the smartest person in the room can you help me or teach me? And people will be much more open to getting you to be success rather than being like, I am the smartest person. So you should listen to me. I mean, the research shows this and like, it's hard for really, really smart people to learn and really driven people to learn that it doesn't matter. Like no one cares if you're the smartest, no one cares if you're the most driven. If you can't get along with people, if you can't get people to rally behind you, then it's all for not. Getting people to be on your side is extremely important. So make sure that you always keep that in mind.
1: So if I'm correct, you have to read Dale Carnegie's book, The Art of Making Friends and Influencing People. Me and Malcolm actually just re- I reread the book. Malcolm read the book for the first time, as well as reversing the senses. And so I think those are very two very powerful books when it comes to leadership as well as you know putting yourself out there in the community. So we kind of touched upon it a little bit, but what is your advice for someone, you know, who wants to be outspoken, who is very determined, but at the end of the day, sometimes you're not the one in charge. At the end of the day, you really need to self-reflect at all times to really challenge yourself. And this is something I've, I've personally been doing for the last three years and has been challenging me at times because sometimes when you look at yourself in the mirror and you ask questions, you get answers you don't really want. But it's necessary in your growth and development. So what's some experiences you have had through those trials? Obviously, you're pretty
0: well off in your career. I think it's something that I wish someone would have told me when I was just starting out with just like being self-aware is extremely important. And then surrounding yourself folks that will actually give you candid and maybe sometimes hard feedback. I have a good group. I have a good group of folks that from high school that are really good about just like checking you on your stuff. And I think more and more people need to surround themselves with people who are not just like, yes, yes, yes. But saying, Hey, you did this and you need to know you did this. And I'm going to help you become a better person from it. But not just be like, oh, everything's okay. So I think that's important. I think constantly checking in with yourself and seeing if what you're doing or what you're saying or how you're being is in line with your personal values. I think those are the big things, but I think learning just like how to be self-aware and humble is something I wish I would have known when I was 22.
1: It's definitely been something that's uh, been developing through time. So I guess it kind of leads into my next question. Uh, You mentioned you listen to podcasts. So what are some things that Obviously, you travel a lot and you're on the road. Besides the gym, what are some things you do to keep up with educating yourself, whether it be the news, whether it be personal development or books? What do you turn to for that source of knowledge?
0: I would say for you guys, get Pocket. If you don't have Pocket, it's a really good way to curate news and articles for you. Um, Gen X, as you remember, Nicholas, we have a ton of things coming through. So there's just all this, a lot of reading for work. I'm trying to think what I read every day. I read The Atlantic every day. I read Courts every day. And then I have, I've had a podcast with a buddy of mine who's a Sigma Chi, actually. We started the day after the election. So it's been going on a little over two years, under two years. And so we're now at episode maybe 120. So we record weekly. So. I'm always learning just from our guests on that. But yeah, I think reading as much as possible, really thinking about what's something that you want to read every day. So picking out those three news sites that you really like. And then also really being intentional about spending time with folks to just talk through things. So I, I'm fortunate enough to have friends that are, you know, professors or do work like me or they're Politico. So our conversations are not only about just like stupid stuff, which we do a lot of talking about, like my good friend is a social psychologist at UC Santa Cruz. And we talk a lot about race and education, or we talk a lot about the current political sphere. I have a lot of friends that are either elected officials or ran for office and just like hearing from them about things is it's been really helpful. So that's all to say, like, Find some things on your own, but also surround yourself with people who are also intellectually curious.
1: Yeah, one thing you touched about um, is open dialogue, being able to be surrounded by individuals that really you can trust upon to give you good advice, but also be real. And so, you know, with working with Gen X, you know, dealing with education, dealing with politics, dealing with reform, and really focus on changing the world for the better, sometimes those conversations can be touching and sometimes those conversations can be very emotional. Uh, So, with that being said, what are some ways that you go about? Really articulating yourself in those uncomfortable conversations. So then, when you're in a room, you know, 50 members, or you really get them engaged. And you connect with them on a personal level so then they don't just rule their eyes or become argumentative.
0: Yeah, again, it's all about like authentic relationships ahead of time. And so when I'm having those conversations, people know it's coming from a place of like wanting to, to not only teach, but like to learn myself. And then just everyone's being intellectually curious. I do think that you always have to go in with an idea of some of the things you might say might be controversial. And that's okay. Like we had something in Phoenix in November, that was kind of controversial. And then when I look back and how people reacted in a very negative way, I was like, well, that's that's on you because we presented this in a way that was very, very like, these are the facts. This is just what's happening. And if you that, if you, that doesn't resonate with you, that doesn't resonate with you. But usually it is being a, from a, coming from a place of like, I'm here to present you with this information. Agree, not agree, but let's have some dialogue and some discourse around it. And most of the time, we're probably not going to come to the same conclusion or agree, but you can at least know what other, other people are coming from. I think it's really important. I was just having lunch with someone a day about this. It's really important to realize that everyone comes to a position or a viewpoint based on their own lived experiences. So the way you grew up, how you were socialized, what your parents did all inform how you think about any issue. And so coming to a conversation and being like, that person's an idiot, or uh, I can't believe they would think that it's like, well, it makes sense that they think that because they grew up this way and let's embrace that and talk about it and maybe educate them on that, but not come from it from an adversarial way on either end. So just giving people the leeway to be vulnerable, giving people an opportunity to, an opportunity to be ignorant. And I think um in the last five years, become a person that, that says, Hey, for instance, I don't know much about Israel. I don't understand that conflict, but help me understand. Instead of going into it and saying like, these are my thoughts and views on it. It's, Hey, can you help me better understand what this means and just coming from that position has been really really helpful because every no one can be like oh my god i can't believe it's like oh well but let, yeah let's talk about that
1: And so now we're kind of we're leading into a, a couple more questions so i don't want to take up too much of your time but in reference to you know, your personal life people that have really inspired you to be the great man you are today uh whether it be inside your family or outside your family were some individuals that have really guided you along the way. One thing you talked about was mentoring. Has there
0: been some key people throughout your life that have really pushed you to that next level? And if so, who and how? So funny, she's texting me around. My mom. Um, she is someone that was very just like very strong-willed, just very like motivating. Always pushed us, but from a very like loving way. So that is someone. Um, I had a great boss, Don Buttinger, who was the president of the Rodell Foundation. That was just really good about supporting me and putting me in spaces that a 23-year-old would never be in. And then just like bosses throughout the years and folks that I've uh, been able to align with. And then even just peer mentor, like peers of mine that have been really, really influential. But I do think it's extremely important to find those folks that Uh, motivate you push you challenge you and people that you can just be candid and vulnerable with about like some things that are happening in your life and things that you really need help with
1: so with that being said obviously you're human and you're gonna have moments in your life where you're just like what the hell am I doing how the hell did I get here what the hell do I do and so with that being said when you get in those points where you really can't see past in front of your face what do you do and how do you over-accomplish that despair, that discomfort in the moment to be able to get yourself out and get back on the horse and keep moving forward?
0: You know, that's a great question. I, I touched on this in the podcast that I did. I think this is something that's really interesting, especially for men, especially men your age, but by age too, is the idea of like talking about or really dealing with mental health. And so I have a therapist that I see, if not weekly, at least a couple of times a month. And I've done that for a number of years. And it's just so powerful to have someone to just talk to. And it's interesting because I had a colleague of mine that was like, man, I can't believe that you see a therapist. You just seem so like put together. And I'm like, well, I'm put together because I have a therapist. Like that is why this is happening. And it's hard for especially men to kind of think about like, oh, well, if I see someone then I'm like less of a man or whatever the social norms are. So my advice to everyone is, I think everyone should have a therapist, by the way, um, but just give it a try. And if not a therapist, a priest, who whatever that looks like to you, but having an outside person to kind of help guide you when those things get rough. And then also just finding what are those things that help you with self-care. So we're like, when you need to decompress, what does that look like? For me, seeing a movie. So I'll go into a movie theater. I'll keep my phone in the car and just like shut off for two or three hours. And then I can come back and feel rejuvenated, re-energized. And that's really important to me, exercise. And so I try to work out every day and that keeps a good space. But I think, I think we're doing a disservice, especially to this generation of young men, to not say like your mental health is so, so important and you're not going to be okay all the time. Like no one's okay all the time. And talking about that, being a exemplar to other men to tell them like, it's dude, it's okay. You can see a therapist. It's all good. I see one. Here's the person I see. Maybe he can help you. Um, I wish more and more guys would do that, especially.
1: And that's something we've definitely had discussions about is you know, that false sense of masculinity And the insecurity that you know it's been plagued on our society with a lot of young men being afraid to cry, being afraid to ask for help, or being able to, you know, show their vulnerability. So I think it's very important that um, no matter where you grew up or how you grew up, you're always gonna have something in your bag that's not yours to bear. So I think it's important to be able to articulate that to individuals, whether it be a therapist or a friend or a family, to be able to get that load off because that can definitely eat away at you. What is your advice as an individual who constantly reaches out to individuals to not only Gain their trust, but to gain their membership on a company like Gen X, what advice do you have for recruitment in reference to so not only being genuine, but like that first initial contact?
0: Yeah, I would be really thoughtful and concise. So, be think about how you want to position your your company, your brand, whatever that might be, in a way that's like super easy for people to understand. Like we're doing this, we're solving this problem. And we think you could be a solution to that or help with that work. And people are like, oh, I get that. Um, I think where a lot of brands get into um, issues is, like, they make it super complicated. I think Gen X sometimes can do that, of, like, making it super, like, complicated and esoteric. And it's like, nope, this is what we do. Like, this is what we do at the end of the day. And I think that's important. Being persistent. Like, sometimes people, it's either that they just really have not seen your email. And so you just got to catch up or check up or just go through other channels of being like, I see that, you know, that person on LinkedIn, can you make an introduction? That's always been really helpful. Um, yeah. And then just reaching out to people and say, who in your network do you know that you think would be, um, that would be good for this and get, get a few recommendations that way.
1: For sure. So what do you guys do um, for retention? Obviously, With us being young leaders, really involved and doing a lot of things, sometimes it's like I got to text someone 10 times like, hey, man, we got this meeting. And obviously with, you know, 20, 30, 40 members, you don't do that necessarily, at least as you as an individual. So what do you do to kind of follow up and make sure that people show up, be present, be involved? Obviously, you want to create value so then they want to be engaged. Do
0: you have any other tips? It's funny you say that. We do. I mean, I've been at the helm of two membership organizations, and that is actually a lot of time is spent on just kind of steering the membership in the way that like there's always like uh, i have an event tomorrow and it's going to be a constant thing of, up until the event happens of like this is what you need to do or, are you going to be here and there's going to be a flurry of oh i can't make it blah 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 i'm already getting those emails and so it's just a constant like you're in constant communication but um if you're someone that, like that for some people that's exhausting for me it's just like another thing that i'm doing in my given day like texting members and being like hey we're doing this tomorrow. Um. Will you be there? And then going on about like whatever else you were going to talk about. So that is something that like, you'll never get ahead of that. Like you'll never have a hundred percent participation. You'll always have people that no matter how many times you email them, be like, Oh, I didn't know that that was happening. You just got to be patient. Like people are people, people are busy. I think what we realized in Gen X, like people are super busy and Gen X might be sixth or seventh on their list. So when we are like, should be front of mind for you. It's like, well, I just got back in from the, from out of the country. My kids have a recital. My wife's sick. Like I did see your email, but I didn't read it really. So you just got to be patient with folks.
1: I feel like that's something definitely I've been uh, trying to embrace because at first it was driving me nuts. Participation is key. It gets to a point. We had a guest speaker come on a couple calls back and he said, you know, the people that show up are the ones that matter. And I feel like that was very powerful because at the end of the day, you can do all you can, but it's really those who take the initiative and make it a priority. So one of my last questions is, where do you see yourself in five years? I know it's a that's a long time from now, but obviously as a man who plans, I would accept that uh, you probably have something in mind.
0: Ooh, five years. Um, I'll be thirty. Oh my goodness, thirty-eight. I'm not sure. I know I do want to do. I know I want to do work in the social impact space, but I also think it would be great to do corporate social responsibility work at at some big brands. So we know research is showing us that more and more people are going to demand that their CEOs be more politically engaged and also engaged around social impact. So if you're the CEO of Nike or Boeing or insert company here, your customers, your employees, your stakeholders want to make sure that you know what's going on in the world. And so being able to do that work, maybe it's coaching, maybe it's consulting, maybe it's being in-house at a brand. I think that's what I want to do um, in the next five years. And then ultimately, I think, I sit on a number of nonprofit boards, and so I think I want my next iteration is just trying to figure out what is my, what is my next group of nonprofits that I want to support personally. So I don't know what that will be in five years.
1: Ah, I got you. So um, what advice do you have for kids like us that are either about to graduate, going to graduate in a couple of years, go into a workforce really in high demand of high influential people, people that are ready to work, willing to work, and it's a huge competitive market in today's age that really set ourselves aside and put ourselves at a level in comparison to our peers.
0: Yeah, I think, one, just being involved with things like this is great being able to just speak to people and listen like communication is so important so I would say the one thing that I would always push is like never be okay with not being a good writer or communicator so that is a skill that you will always need writing and then being able to speak in front of a group is really really important having a big network and so right now you guys can just reach out to, to as many people as possible if it's even just for a call and just saying hey, I saw you on LinkedIn. I think you have a really interesting background. Can we spend 10 minutes? I'm like, I'm going to graduate in a year. I'm not asking you for a job. I just kind of want to know how you got your job. People are actually much more open to that than you think. So just putting yourself out there, the power of networking. I'll send you an article that I that I wrote for this blog called Work for Good. That was pretty much my plea to young professionals is like, get out there. Like you are going to find your next job because of someone you know. Like it's going to be very rare that you find it via Craigslist or Monster or whatever the new job board is. It's going to be someone that you know gets you that job. So start knowing people. And then what else would I say? Uh, Being well-versed in a lot of different things. And so I think one of the things that's going to be really interesting for this next generation, your generation, is that you will have to kind of learn a lot about different things because things are going to change so fast all the time. So you have to be able to be a person that can think on their feet and just kind of be able to pivot at any given time. And so while specialization is really important, you have to know that, like, one, you might be a marketing exec, and then, like, next year you might have to do something completely different. But if you have a skill set that can lend yourself to many different things, that's going to be important, too. And
1: so Pat has a question, but he's driving right now, so he can't ask it. Uh, but the question is, when you graduated, did you really see yourself being where you are today?
0: Yeah, I don't think anyone after college really knows. Like, I mean, there are kids that, like, go directly into law school or med school. And they're like, oh, I, this is my path. It's probably been their path forever. But for me, I was just kind of figuring it out. And I think most people are just trying to figure it out. But I did know I wanted to do something in, like, the social impact and the service space. And so that was really important to me. But no, it was kind of happenstance. And then I did sit down and just, like, What's valuable to me is to have a job of purpose. And what's valuable to me is like having the agency to kind of like move through different organizations, be out in the community. Like that's what I value. And so I've always had a job that reflected those values. But to answer the question now, I had no idea.
1: And so my final question, and I'll let you go. Obviously, we're all about development. We're all about self-awareness. And really, our podcast and our membership is geared towards individuals that accept adversity as a product of life and accept that through challenging ourselves and demanding more from ourselves and out of our own lives that we are going to have that adversity come our way. So that being said, what advice do you have for young leaders or just for people in general that when they, you know, get to these points in their life, like you mentioned previously, and I asked you previously, they can't see the road ahead to keep pushing forward, knowing that no matter what, as long as you put one foot in front of the other, it's going to be all right.
0: Yeah. I think you said it best. It's like very few things that are like insurmountable. So you can probably figure it out. I think it's also just surrounding yourself with people that are going to be really encouraging and people that can get you to that next level, but also like, you just got to be confident. You got to believe in yourself. You got to know that like an obstacle is really just an opportunity and you just got to have to figure it out. I mean, like, there are so many things Or I mean, I, there's been, I've obviously, obviously, I've obviously interviewed for jobs that I haven't gotten. Right. And like, that could be discouraging, but it's also like, well, it probably wasn't the right fit if we're not, if like, if I'm not on their staff now, or it just didn't go my way, but that didn't mean like I got to stop searching for other jobs. Right. And so, but really having that kind of self-confidence and then that awareness is, I think that's, that's pretty key. And having folks around you that'll be like, Hey man, you got to keep going. Heck yeah.
1: All right. Well, I appreciate your time. Centauri. Uh, if nobody else has any other questions, I'll let you get back to what you're doing, safe travels. And I look forward to following your journey as you continue to prosper.